Welcome to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast for anyone looking to stop letting life get in the way and start crushing bold goals. I'm your host, Sarah Mayer, and I'm thrilled to navigate this journey with you because it's time to start boldly achieving without working double time. So let's dive in. Hello, Bold Goal Crushers. I'm super excited today to introduce you to my guest. I think this is going to be an interesting topic for all of us. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Braden Drake, the founder of Not Your Average Law Firm. So super excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit about your journey because I know just from the name of your law firm that you probably have had an interesting one with the name being not your average law firm. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about how you got there. Yeah, well, it's not. So I don't have any kind of like big horror stories. So nothing, you know, I never actually had a full-time gig in a different law firm, a a traditional law firm, so to speak. I had internships. I hated all of them. I knew in law school I wanted to be self-employed when I graduated. So it was around more of a roundabout that way that way. Um, and the interesting thing was when I became self-employed, I kind of very intentionally like did not spend any time in like legal social circles. Hmm. So almost I feel like I almost like deconstructed from law school, if that makes sense. I learned how to talk like a nor- normal human person rather than like a <laughs> lawyer. And that's really informed the way that I teach, educate, and like run my practice. Oh, I really like that because that's not a traditional journey. In full disclosure, I took one law class in my master's program. <laughs> it was higher education law. And uh-huh. oh, wow. I really- it wasn't for you? Was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm not in law school right now. Did they make you, did you have to read cases? Yes. Uh, cases upon cases upon cases. Yeah. That's the interesting thing, though. Like, I always thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And then in my Mm -hmm. I have my undergrad degree in political science. Mm -hmm. And I had to take constitutional law for that that degree. And I hated it. So then I actually didn't go to law school right away because I didn't think I would like it. But you know, like with every degree program, there's tons of different types of law classes and some areas of law Mm -hmm. are more interesting than others, you know, depending on the person I never would have guessed I didn't end up being a tax attorney. Let's Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And that class, just to digress a little, that class was difficult because it was condensed. And so they wanted to get into all the higher education law, but they didn't give us like the solid foundation of law. So then they'd be like, oh, well, you can't do that because of this. And we're (laughs) like, well, how did, how do we know that? And he's like, well, that's a whole different class that you don't even get. We're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so you took a little journey into, because because you moved into tax law, how did that happen? How did you get into that area and decide that's exactly what you wanted to do? Or did you fall into it? I kind of fell into it It was a little bit roundabout. So I did my law school concentration in health law. And I so for context, I was in college, I was a freshman in college when the Affordable Care Act was passed. And I remember just thinking it was really, really interesting. My like intro to political science professor was all about it. And we had to read like news clippings about the updates every week. And I just thought the whole sausage making process of 
Like, are we going to have an individual mandate? Are we not going to have it? I found it all fascinating. So throughout my undergrad, I did a lot of my political science focus work in health policy and kind of the politics behind that. And then I did the same thing in law school, like wanted to focus on health policy. Well, turns out that's very difficult to get a job in unless you mm. want to and are willing to move to Washington, D.C. or a state capital. And I did not want to do either one of those things. So I did some MedMal internships, hated it. And I was like, all right, well, what would I like to do? And one of my professors, my health law professor, she said, you know what? Give tax a try because I mm. hated reading cases. That's why I didn't like constant. Like most poli sci people like constitutional mm -hmm. law because it's Roe yeah. v. Wade. You know, it's all the cases that really make the news. But these are like, they're like 80 page court opinions and my ADHD just could not, right? Yeah. Tax law, on the other hand, is like you read a sentence, you interpret it, you maybe have to read a case. So I came at it from that angle. Like I just thought I'd be able to tolerate it better. And I accidentally ended up substantively enjoying the content. And then I just kind of figured, I'm like, oh, if I want to help small businesses, I know I want to be self-employed. Business and tax is an, an easy-ish area of the law to go into as a solo practitioner, mm -hmm. as opposed to like wanting to be like an international tax attorney, yeah. like working, you know, on Facebook with Facebook. You can't really do that self-employed. Yeah. And, and what was it about being self-employed? Because a lot of my listeners, they want to be self-employed. They're sitting in their cubes. They're like, I want to get out of here, <laughs> leave my nine to five. <laughs> what was it about yeah. that journey? I, I mean, we go into a lot, right? What is that? What's that one? The one is, is, oh my God, this is terrible. There's that one assessment where like my result type is the rebel. I forget what that one is. Is it the Enneagram? No. Not the Enneagram. I get really into the Enneagram as well. Uh -huh. um, I'm an Enneagram seven. Um, but anyway, basically I just don't, I don't take directions very well. I'm a really terrible employee. I don't like people mm -hmm. telling me what to do. I'm very self-motivated. So it's like when people tell me what to do, it demotivates me. But when mm -hmm. I tell myself what I want to do, I'm very motivated. Um, I just knew that I would probably work best as my own boss. Um, yeah. But I didn't realize this until I think probably a different podcast interview because they got me reflecting on it. And I realized, well, my dad had his own business since the time I was born. He has a construction business. He does like roofing, mm -hmm. you know, builds barns, all that kind of stuff. I grew up in rural Indiana. All of my uncles were farmers and most of them had like, they farmed mm -hmm. in the summer and then they have different businesses in the winter. Okay. Um, so it never dawned on me, but that was kind of like the norm growing up really was to be self-employed. And I think I really carried that into adulthood myself. It's the four tendencies that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen that was funny. Rubin. As soon as you mentioned the four tendencies, now I remember yep. who created it. Yeah. My yeah. tendency is, is called the rebel. So the, they don't, I think they don't tend to be very good followers. I don't think. Yeah. So you resist. I actually took a mini course on this uh, online course. So you resist internal expectations and external. So what you set for yourself and what others set. Okay. For so you. I'm actually not that one. I'm the other one. The, the one that, the one that does well with self motivation, but does yes. not do well with external motivation. And I can't remember what that one is. Um, yeah, but I don't remember either. The <laughs> rebel okay. has challenges in both areas. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Well, so that's how you ended up kind of being an entrepreneur. And I know now you spend a lot of time helping other entrepreneurs. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, I mean, it, it you know, it kind of comes, I'm a business attorney, right? So naturally my clients are other entrepreneurs because 
We're doing their LLCs, their S-Corps, their contracts. Because I'm a tax attorney, uh, I actually have a tax repair and bookkeeper that's an employee in my firm. So we do all that as well. So we do all that through our one-on-one work, but I also do as much public speaking as people will you know, bear listening to me. Um, I have a book, a podcast, and then we do online courses and memberships. So lots of education because ultimately, although I think everyone wants, I shouldn't say everyone, the vast majority of people want done for you services. A lot mm-hmm. of people aren't ready to pay for it. And even mm-hmm. if you are ready to pay for it, you still like you still have to know the gist in order yeah. to trust the people you're hiring are are doing the right job. So I'm a big believer in empowerment and education within these topics that I teach. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of rare for somebody in your field or area. Like many times they're just head down yeah. doing the work. So what made you decide that that's something that would be a part of your business? Well, I would say it also, this is also something that comes pretty natural to me because, you know, after I took that con law class and didn't know if I'd really want to be a lawyer, I thought maybe academia would be the route, but Mm. I hate doing, I really don't like doing like massive research projects. So being like a 10 year track professor just didn't really see it in the cards. If adjunct professors actually got paid like a reasonable amount of money, it's something Mm. I may have pursued. I don't know if you all know that, but adjunct professors like do not do super well. Um, So I just really like, I like talking. I like having a captive audience. I like teaching, but really it's the, it's those great moments when you're teaching like a topic, like how an S corp works and saves people Mm -hmm. tax money. And you get those like light bulb moments. You can see on people's faces that they finally understand it. Like they've read about it. They've been told about it, but like, they never really understood it, but like you were the person able to break it down for them. I think that's really, really rewarding for me. Uh, and it gives me a little boost of encouragement every time I get tired of explaining the same thing for the 15,000th time. Yeah. And I think it's such an art to, to be able to explain very complex concepts in a way that everybody yeah. can understand, you know, back to that higher ed law class, that was not a good experience, <laughs> but as somebody who's been in um, the higher ed setting, I spent ooh, like 15 years there. I was in more student affairs. So I had the fun areas. Uh-huh. Well, not always, because I had to deal with the parents and getting them to sign those little FERPA forms and all that stuff. Um, if you're not familiar with FERPA, the best trick was you can't share information with parents about students. Uh-huh. So we would tell the students, you know, sign the form and ask your parents for more money when they leave from orientation. <laughs> And then the parents, we'd say, just give them some money as you're getting ready to leave and tell them that, you know, because of that, you're paying for school and they have to sign this form. (laughs) So it's like a whole thing. Um, But anyway, I spent a lot of time in education and it was a lot of fun teaching and helping students really see their own life and their goals. So what suggestions do you have? for people who maybe are exploring leaving their nine to five, but aren't sure they're ready to make that jump? Well, you got like, that's the big thing, right? You got to be ready both Mm -hmm. like emotionally and financially, which is a big thing. Um, For me, I started my law firm straight out of law school. So I was already used to being broke. I think that's a huge thing. Mm. Once you're accustomed to a certain lifestyle, you, you really need to be able to still kind of be able to afford that lifestyle. Um, 
And that's kind of a side tangent. I could go lots of places there. I also was already yeah. living with my now husband. So that, you know, helped as well. So if you have another stream of income in your life, that's going to be very helpful. If not, you have to save the money, right? To pay for all of your overhead. Mm. So you got to get the financial plan. Um, I think I'm sure, have you recommended Amy's book on your podcast yet? Yes, this book, nine to five, two yeah, weeks Yeah, so read that. I never had a nine to five, so I might yeah. not be the best person to help prep people <laughs> for that, but I'm sure Amy's book probably has a lot of great mm -hmm. suggestions. Yeah, her book is a great roadmap. It's like one of those books that I wish I had that when I first started and yeah. didn't. So we read that in one of our book clubs. It might've been February or March. Yeah. And I think it was a really great roadmap for people, especially when they're trying to figure that piece out. Yeah, that's actually, this was part of my sales pitch to my husband when I told him I wanted to be self-employed. I said, look, because he, he basically supported me through law school, right? Mm -hmm. And he was ready for me to make some money, uh, understandable, three years in. And I said, look, you know, I can get a traditional legal job, but I know that I'm going to hate it, but mm -hmm. I'll ha we'll have my extra money coming into the house for two to three years. And then I'll want to go start my own business. And we'll have to say good, goodbye to that money. Once we probably yeah. have already injected it into the household, moved to a more expensive apartment, gotten used to it, or we can just continue on the path that we've already been on for two years uh, and yeah. just live the lifestyle we're accustomed to. And he was like, okay, I mean, I guess I see where you're, where you're coming from. <laughs> I love that. That's kind of like the the honest, I mean, it is the honest truth. I think that's the hardest part for people who are sitting in their nine to five is how do I let go of this security, this check, this yeah. thing, this healthcare and all that stuff. And then, you know, how, like, how do you plan for that? Meaning yes. it's like hard to say goodbye to the level of comfort that you have, but also like, if you really hate that job, you're like uncomfortable in it as well. So it's sometimes it's a balancing act. I know I have a, I have a friend, um, in the online space, you you might even know her, but she's had a full-time job for like years and years. And as much as she wants to go full-time in her own business, her full-time job pays really well. And she actually like quite likes it. So it's yeah. like, she might not ever actually leave, but it's, you know, she can't like work two 40 hour a week jobs. It's a little bit tricky in that situation. Yeah. You know, that's how it happened for me. I actually had like this little side hustle that was doing pretty well, but I also had a main hustle. And then um, during COVID, they did a huge layoff. So I was in this mastermind group and they kept saying like, you just need to make the leap and blah, 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 because you're <laughs> part-time here and full-time here. And that's a lot of hours. And then I got on one call. I was like, well, I just got thrown into the deep end of the pool because the nonprofit did a huge layoff. And they're like, uh -huh. well, decision Yay! made for you, then, I guess. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it wasn't something that, you know, I think that you can plan for certain things. And then there's other things that just happen and you have to go from there. But it wasn't like on my goal plan, like, I'm going to quit on this day. <laughs> but it worked out. Yeah. It ended yeah. up being a good thing in hindsight. It's not something I probably would have done on my own though. Well, it sounds, you were at least already, you know, pretty well mentally prepared for that. It sounds like if you, even if you didn't have like a goal exit date, you'd been thinking about it. Yeah. And it was slowly building where, you know, I was busier after five, you know, no job is really nine to five, but I was busier after five. And then it was like, okay, how long can we keep this going? And yeah. So it yeah. kind of changed a little bit. Um, anyway, it's been lovely talking to you. I know that there are people out there that just started their business. So 
you mentioned done for you services and maybe not being ready to pay for that yet. Like, what do you recommend when you, when somebody first starts out to really build that foundation for their business so that they don't end up, you know, setting stuff up that's not sustainable or getting into any legal trouble or anything like that or IRS trouble. They're not funny. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's <laughs> the real key, right? Well, I mean, everyone can hop over to our website, not so it's the not your average law firm, but the URL is not AVG, short for average, not avglaw.com. And in there, we have a section for like where we recommend that you start if you're a beginner versus experienced business owner. And for our newbies, I always teach this concept called the, I call it the layers of protection, all the layers of legal protection you need in your business. And then we have what we call the essential layers for brand new mm -hmm. folks. If you're not quite ready to invest a lot in your business, and those are mm -hmm. insurance. So you got to get an insurance agent for that contracts. And we sell a contract product on our website called the contract club. It's $30 for every template you need. It's like in, pretty incredible. We sell like hotcakes. So those are the first two things. And then you have to do like basic bookkeeping and pay your taxes. Mm -hmm. Those are the absolute essentials. So we have resources to help people with all of that. And then if they like know that they really want to invest and get their LLC and do their trademark and all that kind of stuff, we can help help with those things too. Are you looking to save time? Are you constantly making updates to your contracts or are they simply not even getting started? Well, let's fix that. So I want to introduce you to the contract club where they have a vault of solid contracts that can solve your client problems, anything you need to do in your business, like a cancellation agreement, postponement contract. It's basically a backstage pass to grab all the templates and trainings you need to quickly get your contracts up to speed and to reference on an as-needed basis when things come up. So join the contract club where you will get access to more than 30 contracts. I'm sure there'll always be contracts added and get your business in order. Yeah, I love that because those are the things like when you get into business, most of the time people are like, I'm so excited to do this, whatever that is. And then it's uh -huh. like, oh, but I have to do these things. <laughs> these are not yeah, give, them, give them the resources that they need. This is also a good tip for everyone. I finally, it's taken me like four years in business to finally realize that I need to stop trying so hard to sell st stuff that people don't want, right? So I mm. have come to the realization that Usually our biggest clients are people who've already been in business for three to five years because they're the people that have seen success. They've maybe gotten big tax bills because they've marketed their businesses so well that they made a lot of money and they didn't have good systems. They're the people that are usually really ready to invest with us. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, especially if people come from corporate, they understand the importance of legal and they're willing to pay for it. But most, most brand new business owners are not there. So it's like, yeah. okay, well, let, let us give you a couple of $30 resources. And then we'll see you again in, in two years is the way it usually works. Yeah. And that's gold. I mean, having those contracts and those things I think are so critical. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've sat down where somebody's like, Oh, do you have a contract for this? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Where do I start? Whereas I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like whereas where we actually call those whereas clauses, those are fun. 
Yeah. And then through COVID, everybody had to like update all their contact uh, contracts with COVID clauses and oh, yeah. navigate those things. Yeah. So. so my biggest niche is actually in the wedding industry. So if you want to talk about like what my 2020 looked like as mm. the attorney helping deal with canceled contracts every other day, that's like a whole different journey. Yeah, I bet. I do a lot of events. I have a a big catering contract with one of my clients. Well, I have a client who is a caterer and I have a big Uh contract with them. And they went through a lot during COVID, but then also post COVID because there were so many things that changed in the industry Uh too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it shook us up a lot. We were really busy in 2020, interestingly. Mm -hmm. And then 2021, we saw a big dip because all of our clients we're doing double the work because all their events got postponed, but they had already cashed in all the money for half yep. of those events. So they were like double booked, but not double banked. Yep. Um, and so we were just kind of like over here twiddling our thumbs. And then last year was like kind of like our bounce back year. So it's been a while to like, you know, multiple year kind of hangover from all of that, even in the, you know, like not major industries. Yeah. I love the, the, conversation that we had today. And if you're sitting there in your cube thinking about leaving, or you just left (laughs) and you're like, I'm not sure where to get started, definitely head on over to their website. Can you say the website again? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, not avglaw.com. So not averagelaw.com. And people can also just send me a DM on Instagram, Braden, B-R-A-D-E-N, Adam, like the biblical figure, Drake, like the rapper. That's my full name. Uh, and then they can also tune in to the Unfuck Your Biz with Braden podcast, asterisk for the you. <laughs> and I love this. This is your podcast setup too, probably. So I just love yeah. your vibe and your setup. <laughs> so everybody go check him out and remember that you can crush your goals and everything that gets in the way without working double time. So let's get to it. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was so great to have you. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast, where we crush goals and everything that gets in the way. I always love to support my community. So feel free to text the word goal to 480-530-5368. Again, 480-530-5368 and the word goal. And then tell me all about your goals and dreams. Thanks for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you crush your goals this year.